Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Jeff Schwartz is at Jeff Schwartz. I'm Jason Martin at J Mart Zone. Danny G, the aforementioned Eddie Garcia, Roberto Flores, and W Arbro here in Nashville comprising the Outkick crew this week. How Jeff, how seriously do you or do maybe any of the active players, maybe you can speak to this as well, take these like top one hundred player rankings? <laughs> yes. Um not at all serious. It, it's um I tweeted this I think on Monday. Um it, uh, last last month, I should say, because today is also Monday, and I have not tweeted, I don't think, this morning, um, uh, that the top 100 list is brilliant by the NFL, right? You have, um, and you, you, you frame it as, you know, it's a player's list, and so obviously, you know, being the most popular league around, uh, the players, a player's ranking of, of other of their peers is a huge selling point, right? People want to see how... The players rank teams compared to how our players, I should say, rank them compared to how you might rank the players. And so, you know, they, they release 10 at a time or 20 at a time over a couple of days. It's, a, it's brilliant marketing. However, we don't care. We get a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, blank, not even with players on it to suggest who we should put on there. And we just fill it out like on a Tuesday in week 13. <laughs> like it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and a lot of us never took it. Like, for example, when I voted on it, I'd vote my brother first. Then I want to vote my seven other favorite linemen. Then I want to vote five players on my team and turn it in. Hmm. And you feel like that's the way a lot of people handled it? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak to everyone, but yeah, I don't think that 
people are. And that's why, you know, you say, well, why is this player one? Why is this player? Because it's a popularity contest, right? So like Drew Brees, for example. Yeah, number year. two overall. Was this he year. a better quarterback than Pat Mahomes last year? No. no. But at the time everyone ever at the time everyone was filling this out, the Saints were like the best team in the NFL. And so he was the quarterback on the best team in the NFL. He's gonna get a lot of players' attention. Um and just it, it just it's amazing that the NFL has and they're great at marketing, right? They created such a buzz about uh, a rankings list that we don't even take seriously as players. And I've asked I've asked players about it. They said, Yeah, they, it just it's not of my importance to make sure that I accurately uh, put down a top 100. I mean, it is definitely good marketing, and it just creates it creates debate and discussion around your league before much is happening. Like when you put this thing out right when the preseason is starting, we talked off the top of the show about oh yeah, Hall of Fame game. Then you sit down seven minutes in. Oh man, when does the regular season start? Like you all of a sudden remember, oh yeah, this is preseason football. But when it comes down to this, and you see Drew Brees at two, if you want to, you can just lose your mind over that. But that's why I was asking you, because I had a feeling that this was not taken seriously by the players, or at least not taken all that seriously by the players. I also think you make a good point that Drew Brees showing up this way, if this was like week 10 when they filled this out, would have made a lot of sense, because he looked like one of the best players. He looked like the best player in football at one point. Him and him and Mahomes were like one and one and then Breeze kind of struggled in the last month of the season, didn't look particularly good in the playoffs, but if this thing was already filled out by that point, then it was obsolete before it ever even happened. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's... Where would you put Breeze in a list of quarterbacks? We're sitting here talking about Tom Brady and a $70 million extension being worked out and 23 mil that he's going to get this coming season and all of this, and we're trying to figure out his value. He's number six in this top 100 list. And I imagine he's probably been in the top 10 for a lot of the years of his career, or certainly in the top 15, I would say. But where would you put Breeze? Breeze, who's 40 years old, and I think Brady is 42 right now, in terms of quarterback value over the next two seasons, since that's what we're looking at with Tom Brady. We'll, we'll say that Breeze has probably got a couple years, too. Well, you mentioned the, the end of the season last year, and if you look up the numbers, the passing game, they're not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people will point to, um, you know, the the complete nature of their offense as, as they were a, a good running team, and their defense actually improved quite a bit over the season. If you if you take away those first two games, their defense was really good, um, and so you can say, well, that you know, that's a driver, and the reason why Drew Brees does not have the numbers that we kind of expect from Drew Brees, but uh, I'm getting them pulled up now. I mean, they they just they just weren't they they were. Under 200 yards passing a lot of weeks, uh, which is not like Drew Brees and not at all how he had played um, early in the season. So, um, you know, pretty, you know, one hit 171, 127, a 201, a 203. You know, early in the year, he was thrown for 400 yards in, in two of the first three games. So, uh, a lot of the numbers of even, yeah, just not. Mm. Yeah, and that's old. why, look, that's why you had to pay Michael Thomas because I think Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are the two pieces that have extended Drew Brees' career because they have covered up some of the blemishes that have come with a team that's not built all that great in terms of like a bunch of skill players that just you could rattle off the top of your head. You've got Thomas and you've got Kamara and you had Ingram as well, but you didn't have like a household list of wide receivers 
you didn't have like the depth of wide receiver talent, for example, that the Chiefs did, or maybe you would even put the Rams in that classification, yeah. or some of these teams, or the Atlanta Falcons, certainly you wouldn't either in the same division, but they've still managed to do this, and maybe we need to give Sean Payton some credit as well. We'll continue down this pathway. We'll try to figure out the value of these quarterbacks. The running back situation is out there. I'm sure we'll be talking about it all week. The Zeke story, who knows where that is going to go. When you come back, another quarterback entering his second year in the league. He was at the Indians game. He is all in with Cleveland, Ohio. The question is, is that the dude that you want representing your city? I think the answer might be yes. We will be right back. It's Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz in all week. Beginning another Outkick week here on Fox Sports Radio. Clay Travis will be back and ready for the football season a week from today. He is vacationing with his family this week, so we'll be in for him. Alex Marvez will join us in the final hour of the program so Jeff Baker Mayfield endearing himself to the Cleveland community I don't know if you want him to be a role model but if you wanted to make him somebody that's just sort of all in with your city I don't know how many people go to Cleveland and do this kind of thing but this seems on brand for Baker Mayfield he seems to be the kind of guy that if you play with him or if you play in that city, you probably like him a lot. He might rub some guys the wrong way in that division or maybe across the league outside of that because he does not He does have an irritant quality about him. But at the same time, I watched this and I laughed and I just thought, I bet Cleveland can get really behind this guy. And if they're able to come out of the gates and actually win this season, if we're both wrong, Jeff, and it's not sort of average to mediocre for them as opposed to where like Lewis Riddick and some of these guys have them pick to finish, if they do that, Baker Mayfield's going to be the biggest non-LeBron name in Cleveland in a very, very long time. He already is. Um, Look, I think Baker Mayfield is a fantastic – Cheerleader is the wrong word. Maybe face of a program. I mean, just just the way he has embraced Cleveland. Obviously, you know, trying to be the leader of the Browns and leading them back to glory, which has been forever, right? But I mean, at least the the attempt of trying to do that. And I think that he is brilliant at at being that marketing guy, right? Of, of being the face of the franchise. Um, and I like the kid. I, I think he's a fine kid. Um, I think he's a very good quarterback. I do worry if he's trying to do too much too fast before mm-hmm. actually proving that he is going to be able to lead his team to anything. Um, you know, last year was, and we've talked about this many times, and I'll do it again. Last year was good, right? Baker Mayfield was, was good at times last year. Um, they won five of their last eight games. The three games they lost were all the playoff teams they played. And they weren't even, and two of them weren't even close. They lost by, by 16 for both of them, I believe, the Chiefs game and, and at Houston. They lost to the Ravens by a couple points in Week 17. Um, you know they beat five non-playoff teams um, in that stretch. And while it was good for the Browns, considering they were 0 16 the year before, like we just need to slow down a little bit. And and I understand that people will say, well, Baker is going to be Baker, and that works for him. It does work for him, and I and I get that. But look around the NFL at the top quarterbacks in the National Football League, right? Tom Brady. Drew Brees. Let's throw the old guys out. Let's focus on the young guys, right? Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen, who's not even yep. starting right now, but Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, all these guys. None of them act 
like Baker Mayfield does. I'm not even talking about chugging the beers. Just the brashness, boisterous, um, the the talking to radio hosts about what they say on the radio, yeah, calling people out, you know, you know, using the media to do Odell's work on the Giants, like all this stuff. None of them are doing it, and so you can say that this is the way Baker Mayfield's going to roll, and this is who he is, and whatnot. But look, the more, he, he he might be the, he might be the exception to the rule at quarterback. But you have to act, or or at least you have you have act you you had you have had to act a certain way to win at quarterback. It's a very emotionless position, right? You cannot have a lot of outward emotion throughout the week. You can on Sunday, obviously. We've seen it happen. You should, I think, and you should be confident, and cocky. I'm fine with that. I'm actually fine with that. But like the other stuff, man, it, it's it's just a little. Mu- I just want to see how he does. What happens if they go two and two this first four weeks and things aren't going well? What happens if Tennessee, who I think is going to go in there week one and punch them in the mouth, Taylor the one not being there kind of hurts them. But I just I I think it's very combustible New England. I mean New England in in in, in uh, Cleveland if things don't go well early on in the season. Yeah, I don't know if somebody gets thrown under the bus or if somebody if they all kind of rally together and take the onus. That's not sort of the makeup of some of the guys on this team. And I do think that the kitchen thing, which we've discussed previously, continues to be fascinating. It's just, what is Freddie Kitchens going to be able to do? And how is he going to navigate all of what's going, what he's going through? Probably the biggest story at the end of last week was LeBron James and David Griffin. I don't know what the long-term implications are, but we'll discuss the short-term coming back. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when 
you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trips of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. It's hour number two. I'll kick the coverage Monday edition. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz. He's at Jeff Schwartz. I'm at J Martzone. Clay's at Clay Travis. He's also not at Outkick this week. He'll be back next week and he'll be ready for the football season and all kinds of fired up. We have a tons of football to get to as Alex Marvez will join us in the third hour of the program. But we will take a divergent path for a moment, Jeff, and just speak about LeBron James and David Griffin and this story that. It was intriguing at the end of the week. I don't think long-term it's going to matter. I don't think that those two have a bad relationship. I do always hate the clarification of the clarification. That <laughs> generally means this. yeah, that generally means that you did not say something particularly well or you realized, well, oh, why did I say that out loud? Well, okay, I, I, I will be fair here um, because I've actually had this happen to me. I can give you a couple examples of this happening where things – uh, because the way you say things often out loud don't sound the same thing when you when you say them in you know in a quote in an article, right? I mean, yeah. you're saying them out loud to the person who's writing the article, but the way that it's framed at times in an article can be twisted. I mean, for example, I gave the same interview. This is now the Super Bowl in 2016. So it was the Patriots Falcons. I want to say. Uh, I don't. Know, it doesn't matter what Super Bowl was. I was I was in uh, the Radio Row area. I was doing an interview with two Giants beat reporters just after 2015 season, and my brother was about to be a free agent who plays right tackle now for the Chiefs. And they were asking me about my brother and how, if I want to play with him. Well, Marshall Newhouse was the right tackle, and I just played a whole season with him. And I was planning on coming back and playing next season with him. He's under contract. I like Marshall. We played well together next to each other. Like. 
everything that he was great. So they're like, well, what, how about playing with your brother? So I told them, look, I love my brother. I'm his biggest fan, but we would not play well, play well next to each other. We just wouldn't. And Mitch will agree with that. We can get him on the phone and he, he would agree. We wouldn't play well next to each other. Um, and I was basically saying, look, we have Marshall. Like I, I love my brother, but we have a guy that I like who's already playing the position. Um, and well, okay. So I gave the same interview to two reporters. Okay. One reporter wrote an article that I thought they would write, which is Jeff loves his brother. Wouldn't really, it wouldn't really work playing next to him for personality reasons, just style of play. The other person wrote, Jeff hates his brother, never would want to play with him. He's never coming to New York. So (laughs) seriously, it it was, it was, I got a call from my dad. Like, I'm like, dad, I didn't, it's not how I said it. Okay. Like, you know how I, you know how I talk about my brother and if I want to play with him. I gave the same interview. Two different stories came out. I did another. I did another interview one time. Ryan Cleo just signed with the Jets. His brother Matt was in was in Carolina. I played with Matt in Minnesota. I know the family very well. Uh, I like Ryan. I like their family. Um, and I gave an interview about Matt Cleo's struggles when he first got to Carolina. Um, and you know, I said I said a lot of good things about him, and I tried to toe the line, knowing that he wasn't playing maybe terribly well, but also that I knew his family, and I'm good friends with Ryan, his brother. Uh, and I made a comment saying. Uh, you know, just a couple plays a game where you're like, not very good, right? And I said that. I 100% said that. I also said a million other things about him that were positive. Well, of course, what what quote did they put in there, right? The one where I said, ooh, you know, ooh, he makes a couple bad plays a game that he can't make in his position, all right? So they put that in there. So Ryan Khalil saw that, got angry with me. So you, you can have your words twisted. So I will defend Griffin a little bit on this because we don't know exactly the tone of voice he was using. But again... The comments are what they are, and we can discuss them, and there are validity to discussing his comments and the way they were. this article was written. Yeah, I agree, and I want to bring in the L.A. crew here in just a second as well, but I will say one other thing about Griffin as it relates to this. If you remember, Jeff, the Seth Wickersham article about the Patriots a couple of years ago. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. That, yeah, it was great. Anytime you see Seth Wickersham's written something, like, uh-oh, somebody's done something bad. If you realize you're the subject of it, just stop <laughs> reading. Just, just walk away from the article yeah, and you, try you, to forget that it was done. Dude, I was watching. I'm going back right now. Watch old Hard Knocks episodes because they're mm-hmm. just like in the background while I'm working. They're fun, just fun to watch. Um, dude, these guys, all the all people in sports read everything about them. There was a scene. This 2010, the Rex Ryan one, where in New York, where yeah, they print that was a good one. Articles every day for the owner to read. What yeah. Johnson. Like these guys, I'm telling you, um, I'm not. I'm preaching to people listening, but you know, if you're listening to this, if you're like a sports writer, they, they they're reading it all. They're reading all the stuff you write. They're reading everything I tweet. I've gotten calls from GMs before upset about something I said about their player. Like it, it, it. They're reading all of it, and so it's it's easy to say, Jason. Like don't read it, but like you kind of are going to read it because that's everyone has an ego. They want to see what people say about them. Just because you mentioned Hard Knocks, we're going to have Dave McGinnis on the program on Wednesday morning. He was part of the L.A. Rams when they did both Hard Knocks and All or Nothing. Oh, yeah. And he can kind of take us behind the scenes and let us know. He told me last week, this is his 47th training camp. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, I don't even know. I'm not even 47 years old, Jeff. Like, I mean, dude's been doing NFL training camps. Not even. I mean, it's, it's absolutely. Close. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But but the point I was making about Wickersham is that whole article, basically the crux of that was who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? Is it Robert Kraft? Is it Bill Belichick? Is it Tom Brady? And they all wanted credit. Everybody wants credit. Of course. 
So I look at the David Griffin thing, and the first thing that I thought about this was it's tough to build around LeBron James because even if you do win a championship, you're still not going to get the credit when LeBron James is in the room. And I think that David Griffin is in a job where you don't really know many general managers' names unless it's your team or you're a former player. If you're a GM that's a former player that's done badly, we're going to know about it. Sometimes you know about Danny Ainge when he does well. But generally speaking, you don't know general managers' names. And I think David Griffin has maybe a little bit of an ego here. And I'm not necessarily suggesting. All these these guys have egos. Of course, but I mean like a bigger ego than other GMs. Oh, okay, okay. He wants he wants people to know who he is. Yeah, that's and I, fair. Okay. I, 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 and then when you read some of the quotes about miserable this, I think that there's probably truth on both sides of the aisle. I think the clarification that he made on Friday saying it wasn't about LeBron, it wasn't about him, it was about just the media circus and all of this, I'm sure that that is true. I'm sure it is very difficult to operate in that universe when you have that guy around. I do think that there is something to the idea that playing around someone like that can be pretty thankless, which is why I suggested Kawhi going there didn't make a whole lot of sense because nobody wants to be the third option if indeed that's what he would have been. Even if LeBron said he wanted to be the third option, as long as LeBron James exists, it's going to be about LeBron James with the Lakers because of what a superstar he is. And I would like to ask the question to Chris Bosh, or to Kevin Love, who are guys that have played that third role, how much fun that was. And then you go to the J.R. Smiths or the Amon Shumperts or the James Joneses, whoever it is, you win championships sometimes, but you only get mentioned when you've done something wrong. You are basically like an NFL official, where you don't get it. When, when it's right, it's, it's, not, it's not on you. When it's wrong, then we'll talk about you, and then we'll actually add a pass interference rule to make sure that what you've done can't be duplicated again when it comes to replay. I don't think this matters long-term, except this. If, when the Lakers play the Pelicans, the Lakers win by 45, this is going to be the storyline coming out of it. Not just the fact that the Lakers probably could win by 45 anyway, This just gives you an easier byline. That's really all that it does. But I do wonder why David Griffin didn't realize how the context could get muddied if indeed he's being 100% genuine here. Like, Why would you say some of the things that you said? This seems like a lot of this, I was reading it, and I thought, this is the kind of thing where you look at the reporter and you say, all right, off the record, and then that (laughs) stuff's actually in the article. Well, look, a lot of stuff said off the record makes it in articles, but just not quoted as being on the record. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, I went in Pacto Media Day. You talked to all the coaches at dinner the night before. There's a big dinner and, you know, things are off the record. But, you know, you use that information. You know, you don't source that information publicly, but you use that information to frame conversations about certain teams. So, yeah, I mean, there's a way this could have been done where you, quote, unquote, be, are off the record. and And I just don't know why we're still talking about like he now is the he now is the um the general manager of the pelicans who lebron does not play for or anthony davis that does not play for anymore he has his own team now to worry about and i don't know why he he's still talking about lebron james i know that the point of the article was to talk about lebron james but you don't have to do the the interview um and i understand this also article about rebuilding the pelicans and i get what you know he he his point in this article 
I wouldn't want to get across with it. He likes the process of team building. And he felt like in Cleveland, with LeBron there, he's not able or was not able to build a team the way that he personally wanted. And that gets back to your point about ego, right? Is that he wanted to build a team the way he yes. wanted to, which is what he's doing now in New Orleans uh, with Zion and with everyone they have. Um, by the way, I feel like the Saints are going like above and beyond to like have Zion like on the social media every day during training camp. There, there's a lot of Zion Williamson on the Saints uh, Twitter page. Well, don't you um, think? Don't you think maybe he's outside of Drew Brees, he's the most recognizable sports star already. Hadn't even played a played oh, yeah. a game for the Pelicans. Oh yeah, that's how big his image is. Oh no, it's it's great what they're doing. Um, and he got a cannon too. He threw that ball like 50 yards without even yeah. without even much effort. This is a great athlete. So. You know, to your point about ego, yeah, ego is, is is involved in here. And I think there's even a part of him that maybe would have, you know, Griffin, David Griffin, like, yeah, you know, maybe if LeBron didn't come back, you know, we would I would have been able to build the team the way I wanted to. But look, now he now he he can in New Orleans. But I think there is some validity to his to his you know, kind of bemoaning of of the emotional like toll it is to be on LeBron's team. <laughs> And like be uh, the manager of a LeBron-led team. We've seen it now a lot of places, right? I mean, Magic Johnson uh, made light of that when he quit, retired, whatever you want to call what he did. Uh, We've had other people in Miami talk about this as well. It seems to be emotionally draining to have to be in charge of a LeBron-led team. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think there's added pressure around that. That's the other thing. I was thinking about it in terms of how many people, there are still people, I call them idiots, you may call them idiots as well, that don't even want to give, like, or it took them forever to give Phil Jackson credit because he coached Michael Jordan and he coached LeBron James. And what's the easiest thing for a lay fan to say? Well, I could have coached Michael Jordan to an NBA championship. There is a very unique skill set that goes into managing talent of talent of talent of just the highest caliber. And I do think that the pressure that surrounds that is not what everybody is made for. It's not something that just rolls right off the tongue for everybody in sports. But this whole deal, I think that this just gave LeBron a chance to kind of get out there and have a little bit of fun, all the fire emojis and saying ether, bringing back the old... Uh, rap battle from years back and all of this stuff and he also used i think a, like a laughing emoji in that like big tweet that everybody was putting out there at the end of last week i think that he thinks that this is funny i don't think that he took any kind of personal offense to this but i i think it's fascinating in that you always have to be careful what you say because i can promise you in 2019 if somebody can frame you negatively that's what's going to happen. That, I think, is maybe the ultimate sin of social media, in addition to just outright misinformation. It is framing the extremes based on, if you like this guy, then this must be true. If you don't like this guy, then this must be true. And that's what it goes here with LeBron. Like You either think, oh, I understand where David Griffin's coming from. You, either, you, you believe what David Griffin is saying if you don't like LeBron James. You think that he's a complete hypocrite and he's speaking between his teeth and all these other kinds of things, if you like LeBron James. It comes down to where you feel on the parties as opposed to what's being discussed, and sometimes that can lead you down bad pathways. Of course it can. Um, and look, we do have a society that, that does often focus on negatives, like in this article. So 
um, and and the and the all or nothing, right? Like something, some quote or or something is either all good or all bad. I mean, it's kind of where we are now with everything in life. So, no surprise this article can get taken out of context like it did, right? I mean, there's no surprise, right? The way no. it, the the media it's framed. I'm not blaming the media. I'm in the media, um, but just the way this article was framed and the point you made about um, kind of all or nothing. That's the way almost everything is on social media. Which again, we, this article came out like two weeks ago. Like ten percent of people are there on social media, which is twenty two percent of the country, drive eighty percent of the conversation. It's wild, right? To think about that. I mean, me and you and Clay and are probably part of the the ten percent that drive eighty percent of conversation on social right. media. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, if you live in that bubble, if you live on Twitter you think that's the world. It can just start to be, okay, well, everybody's on here. This is where the conversation is taking place. In general, that's not the case. Most right. conversations are still taking place among human beings that don't have time for technology and the like. And I think it's fascinating. When we come back, I'll get the L.A. Crew's thoughts on LeBron James on this. I'm sure that they have plenty to say. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Another 3-2. Monsu to right towards the corner. That's down. It gets by Renfro. How fast can Corey Seager run? We're going to find out. Throw is high. Dodgers win. They find a way to do it again. Two in the eighth. Two in the ninth. 11-10 the final score. All right, L.A. Crew, haven't talked to him. A lot of times when we host Jeff, we have not the Outkick crew because they try to sync up their times out with right. Clay, which I understand. But they're with us all week this week. So Danny G, who may or may not be in Nashville next month, I'm not sure 100%, but there is an invitation for him to be here. He's out in L.A. Roberto's out in L.A. The crew's out there. So I know this story kind of happened on Thursday and then maybe it was clarified Friday afternoon, where are you on this LeBron situation? I tend to sort of roll my eyes and not think that it's a gigantic deal long term. It just seems like David Griffin spoke very he was he was not cautious in the way in which he approached this interview. Well, first of all, good morning to you guys. And I lo- love how you just glossed over the Muncie walk off double there. The play by play. Yeah, you appreciate what, what that, right? <laughs> well, I'm in the the group chat, and Jeff actually requested that play by play call, so got that in there for yeah. you. Well, you. Well, there's no there's no highlights to to <laughs> to play from the World Series, so you can keep maybe we talk about the Dodgers <laughs> if they actually did something in free agency. Uh, here we go with all with that the trade deadline. They didn't need to. It is Dodger talk going on in Southern California lately, but. As far as, look, this will sum it all up. I have a friend who is a diehard Lakers fan. I've actually gone to a couple of Lakers games with him, and he doesn't like LeBron. He's not a big fan of LeBron. But he told me the other day, he's like, I don't like LeBron, and I'm sick of hearing the negative stuff about LeBron. So at this point, let's just get to the court. Let's play the games. Griffin can say whatever he wants, and he is telling the truth, his truth. That's fine. And maybe he was taken out of context a little bit because obviously the press coverage was on the negative stuff he said and nothing else. But still, without LeBron, Griffin wouldn't have got that Pelicans GM job. 
Griffin is in the position he's in because of the success he had with LeBron and the whole, oh, whiny, woe is me. It's so hard with the success with LeBron and this and that. Look, here's the thing. I've been part of radio stations that were rated number one, and it was an awesome experience. None of it was easy. A lot of it wasn't fun, but it was worth it. And if I had to go back and do it again, I would. Now, it was easier to be with some struggling, like I was with another network prior to this one, and it was a newer sports network. (laughs) They weren't number one like this network is. We had fun times. I remember one of our guys there, he would barbecue us breakfast. Jeff would love this story. He made bacon, eggs. He threw down. He brought a griddle in every weekend for our NFL show. And so it was a lot of fun. But was it number one? No. There weren't the struggles. There there weren't the things associated with it that I had at the other networks and radio stations that were number one, that had all the drama attached. Sometimes with the success comes some pain, but I think it's all worth it. And so with that in mind, it's worth it to have LeBron on your squad if he can take you to the promised land. Yeah, I I agree with that for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. If it doesn't work out, then you're like, oh, well, that wasn't worth it. That wasn't fun, and we didn't win. And I think that maybe you got to a point in Cleveland where because of Golden State, you weren't going to win again down there. And maybe that did make it a lot less fun. Maybe J.R. Smith doesn't have his boneheaded move. Who knows what ends up happening. But the whole situation surrounding this just basically hinges on the fact that there is added pressure when you have somebody that's that transcendent around you. Some people like that better than others. Jobs sometimes, the glitz is there, but underneath it's not as much fun. And then sometimes you're losing, but it's more fun. I, you know, I don't know. I tend to think that being around LeBron James and winning, and just all of that is worth whatever the penalty yeah. is. And David Griffin again. I, I just think that David Griffin is a guy who would like to have people know who David Griffin is, and he's trying to sell this Pelicans deal and talk about you know the bigger star he is, the bigger name he is. That's going to reflect better on the Pelicans. He wants them to become a brand. They haven't really ever mattered before. They've got Zion Williamson. They've got a young core now after the deal that brought some of those Lakers over. And so I think David Griffin's just trying to make the Pelicans a bit more relevant here. And the only thing that I didn't like really about what he said was when he said, we tried to clarify and say, I really just wanted to talk about the Pelicans. Well, that's not true because you easily could have gotten out of these questions and you chose not to do so. Well, you know, I say this often about sports teams, um, and I think it's very true that, you know, winning kind of hides the stink of things. And so while, you know, David Griffin might not have liked to, to be in, in a team or, or kind of guided by a team that was so LeBron dominant, um, but the winning masked all that, right? When you're winning championships uh, and when you're a franchise that hasn't won ever uh, and a franchise that's so dominated by, by one player – uh, the winning kind of mass overall the stink, and now that he's obviously off that team and he got fired and, and moved along um, or let go, I don't know what exactly the term of his him leaving was at, but right. it's not the point. Um, but now that that winning obviously is over, you know now you start talking a little bit about everything that was bad because you know the the winning part's gone. You know, it just it's just the, the way things work in sports, obviously. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I mean, that's I mean, we'll, no, we'll see it, it's, it'll it's be fun when the, look, it'll be it'll be fun when the Lakers play the. Pelicans. This is why that'll be a fun story. This is why I I don't you know how people talk about <clears throat> excuse me team chemistry, 
on yeah. sports, and that leads to winning. I I, I don't I, I can't determine what is what comes first, the winning and then the chemistry, the chemistry and then the winning. But they go hand in hand, man. I mean, we 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 focus way too much on building team chemistry, just building a winning attitude instead of like team chemistry. Because I, I I'd never been on a team often that had great chemistry that was terrible. Because <laughs> it, it, it everyone wants to win, and when you don't win, everyone's all pissed off with each other, and the locker room is not as much fun. As soon as you start winning, everyone's everyone gets along great. So I don't know which comes first in that, in in, in, that, in that instance sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a fair point as well. So Dak Prescott talked, Jeff, and sounded pretty smart. I thought that Philip Rivers' comments that were many people just took a couple of lines of that and didn't listen to the entire thing. Philip Rivers said nothing in a 30-second clip, and it was framed as if he was basically burying Melvin Gordon. Oh, and that yeah. was not That's... the case at all. <laughs> Uh, the fine folks at, at Pro Football Talk who told me that that they um, that event I was at the offensive line masterminds event they mm-hmm. they completely butchered their coverage of it they just misquoted people they had the wrong title for people uh, and they tweeted me whether it was Mike Florio or not tweeted at me uh, was subtweeted me saying like we didn't get invited to the event therefore like we got things wrong I was like is that really the way that you you operate your business is that you can only get things right if you're invited to an event. You're a news aggregate website. Like you should be able to get things correct. Um, so no surprise that they took Philip Rivers' comments uh, uh, the wrong way and framed them that way. Philip Rivers was asked about the other running backs on, on the roster, yes. not Melvin Gordon. If you go watch the minute video, he talks about the. This is in context of the other guys on the roster, not. How do you feel about Melvin Gordon's holdout? Which, by the way, he has supported his holdout at other points when asked about it. So, of course, Pro Football Talk spun it in the way that they want to spin it to get more clicks. I get it. Um, that's the way that they, they operate a bunch of times. Um, and it's just disappointing because that's not all what Philip Rivers said. No, I mean, got, basically, basically yeah. he was saying, look, we're going to have to field a team of 11 on offense. Right. And we would love to have Melvin Gordon here, but... If he's not here, somebody's going to be running the ball for us. That's not Barry and Melvin Gordon at all. He didn't say anything about his money. He didn't say anything about he needs to be back to help this team. And that's what Dak said. He said he would not ask his buddy Ezekiel Elliott to report because the Cowboys need him. And he said, look, you don't cross friendship and business. You know, friendship is friendship. Business is business. He knows that Elliott's important to him. His play-action percentage dropped 16% when Ezekiel Elliott's oh, yeah. not on the field. His completion percentage, I think, goes from 82 to 57 it's or something like good, that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's night and day when Zeke is on the field in terms of what it means to that offense what it means to Dak Prescott and his success rate. But you don't get anywhere. This is what Baker Mayfield hopefully has learned from the incident with Duke Johnson. When you've got a teammate that's out there with money – it's just not smart to say anything. And Philip Rivers is savvy enough not to say anything and still had it framed wrong because, like I said earlier, Jeff, if you can find a way to take it out of context to make the speaker look like he's saying something much different than what he actually is, and that's what's going to happen every single time because it wasn't just pro football talk. Pro football talk might have led the charge, and then you know every podunk radio host in the country played 10 seconds of audio didn't give you any context to it at all, made it look like Philip Rivers was burying Melvin Gordon when he was not. And Dak Prescott, I think, was even more careful in what he said about Ezekiel Elliott, who is, you know, in Cabo or whatever, and we'll see 
how long this thing is going to hold out. One thing I wanted to point out about Ezekiel yeah. Elliott, Jeff, is if you look at the first three games of the Dallas schedule this year, yeah. this is not going to be Emmett Smith. They're not going 0-2 in this schedule. They're playing against the Giants, the Redskins, and the yeah. Dolphins, I believe, in the first three yeah, games yeah, of the season. Three, yeah. They could win those three without Zeke on the field, and that's not oh, yeah. to say that Zeke's not worth anything. It's to say that this holdout is not... If you're looking at the the Emmett Smith argument from '93, it's not going to hold up here. Not the same way. Not at all. Uh, no, it's not. Um, and that's you know that's interesting to see how, how this goes because I'm with you. It's going to be pretty interesting to see how um, they do without him. But again, I think he has to show up this week. Otherwise, he forfeits. Yes, a year toward free. So he's going to be in town this week. I mean, he's not going to lose that opportunity. That would be. Stupid. I mean, look, Le'Veon Bell got paid, but he didn't get paid what what um, he uh, thought he was going to get paid. I'll put it that way. And he lost out on fifteen million dollars. Uh, Zeke would be would be unwise to sit out uh, any longer when it would complicate his future earnings. That just seems like not a smart business move. Um, and I think he'll be back. He'll obviously, you know, you, you obviously hope that. Um, you know, he gets his money. Like I said, I root for everyone to get their money. Uh, I just don't think it's happening. Look, the Cowboys five, six, seven years ago probably would have 1,000% paid Zeke, but Stephen Jones is now in charge, who is Jerry Jones' son. And ever since Stephen took over, they've been a different franchise. They've allocated their money better. Um, they have, um, you know, they've just done a better job of their their cap essentially, and I don't think that they're going to change because the running back wants money. No, I don't either, and especially when you look at the idea that you have to pay Amari Cooper because you gave up a first-round draft pick to get him. Well, you you did not get him to rent him for a year. This is not like the NBA where you tried to bring him in as a mercenary. You well, believed he could be a yeah. long-term answer at wide receiver one. That's why you gave up a first-round draft pick when it didn't seem like anybody else was going to do that in order to get him to Dallas. So I think when Amari Cooper says, I'm not worried about my contract at all, I just want to play football, I agree because I think he knows he's going to get paid. But but even 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 outside of the fact that you put money into, I mean, you put a draft pick into into Zeke, I mean, into um, Amari Cooper to, to draft him, I mean, to trade for him. Sorry, geez, to trade for him. Yeah. Um, the numbers last year when he was on the field for Dak Prescott, were remarkably better. He was Dak Prescott. I think on, I think Warren Sharp, we've had him before. Sharp Football um, had in his notes that he was Dak was twenty two percent successful on third downs before before Amari Cooper. He was forty percent successful on third downs um, after Amari Cooper showed up. We saw the offense take off. We saw Dak take off. Now Dak, I think it's still not um, elite quarterback. I mean, he still has a lot to work on. But the fact is, he became a better quarterback, and the offense became better when Amari Cooper was in there. So besides them spending a first-round draft pick on Amari, they were just better when he was there. So I think that's partly why you pay him as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree a million percent. Somebody that did get paid was Draymond Green. Oh, gee. He got extended. We're going to talk about that. Also, what happens when somebody who's so used to being the guy for such a long period of time finds out based on a market that doesn't exist for him anymore that not only is he not the guy, he might not even be a guy 
in the league that he thought that he should still be playing in. We will discuss that gentleman as well next. 877-99 on Fox. That's 996-6369. Still to come, Alex Marvez in hour number three. We'll talk about all the NFL headlines with him. We'll be right back. I'll kick the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks 
tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At this time, we welcome in our good friend Alex Marvez on Twitter, at Alex Marvez. For the past couple of weeks plus, he's been doing a tour of training camps around the NFL. He's with the Atlanta Falcons today. Alex comes in like a 450 splash off the top rope AEW style. Alex, what's up, my friend? (laughs) Gentlemen, good morning. And yes, I have been traveling across this great country of ours, day 12 of an 18-day road trip across the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. It has been busy. I'm here in beautiful Flowery Branch, Georgia today for some Atlanta Falcons coverage on my Sirius XM tour. So been exciting though, to, to catch up and then see some of these squads around the NFL. Nothing like seeing it, seeing this stuff in person. Alex, tell me about uh, the weekend in Canton. Uh, what was your takeaway? Uh, any speeches stand out to you? Anything that you'd like to share with us from that experience? Yeah, a couple things. I'll start with the speeches. First, uh, Kevin Mawai. I thought his speech was, you know, the one that resonated with me the most. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult when you have someone like Ed Reed who says, I'm not going to write my speech in advance. I yeah. will wing it. And then proceeds to take 36 minutes or so winging it. And by the end of the night, I think there were about 500 people left for Tony Gonzalez's speech in a 27,000-seat stadium. Wow. You know, and. And I think, too, the Browns holding a free scrimmage earlier in the day, if you've got one event to go see, are you going to go see Baker Mayfield and and his team, or are you going to go see retired players discuss their NFL career that you can watch on TV? You know what I mean? And I think that really hurt the Hall attendance this year. This was the lowest populated Hall of Fame speech uh, ceremony that I've seen, and I've been to at least a dozen. You know, I've, I've done the NFL for 25 years. I've been a voter for, you know, Hall of Fame voter for at least 10 so, you know, I was a little bit surprised at that. I don't think they have to worry about it for next year because Troy Palomalo should be a first ballot pro football Hall of Fame inductee. And speaking of that ballot, and by that I mean people from Pittsburgh can drive over and they love to yeah. take over Canton. But, you know, the other thing is that new ballot that they put to Hall of Fame voters and how this is going to work to try to get an expanded century class in 2020. And it puts a, bo- a voter like me in a real bind. What they've done is there's going to be a blue ribbon panel that assemble, and I mean, these are like experts, okay? So I get it. And I respect the ballot that they assemble, but let's say that I have a beef with, oh, Paul Fagliabu, right? I'm just hypothetically saying I don't. But let's just say I don't think he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It could be anybody. I don't, you know, for whatever reason, I don't think that Drew Pearson should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hall of Very Good. But they're going to lump all of these folks together and you vote for one ballot of 15 rather than the person individually. I mean, that is a tough one. Do you, because you may not like a candidate or two, keep 13 other people out from the greatest professional football honor that they can receive? Will there be enough no votes in the room to keep these folks out? I mean, that was a very interesting twist as to how this whole century class is going to be handled. One other thing, too, and I'm really sort of eerie talking about this. I was staying at the same hotel as the late Don Banks. Yeah. And to think yeah. that the man passed, the man passed away while I was checking out of my hotel. Um, and he was a very good man, by the way, and a very talented person. Just hired by the Las Vegas Review Journal. You've read his work for years at Sports Illustrated and different avenues around the country. Really, I'm going to miss my friend. It is just, a, I mean, we're all just shocked in the sporting world that he passed away in the journalism world at the age of 56. 
Yeah, I mean, fifty's fifty-seven years old, and he passes away. Like that, just had to just stop you, just dead in your tracks. And he passed away. I mean, he passed away after attending the Hall of Fame ceremonies in Canton. He was such a good writer. To lose him so young, just as he's getting back into the journalism side of things, that's just a huge loss for the for the sports media community at large. It really is, and you know, kudos to Peter King, who had a very difficult thing to do today, and that was to write an obituary on his close friend. I mean, he was the one he nicknamed him Donnie Brasco, and he's the one who, you know, and, and he said that, Don, you know, Don was a guy who shot straight with him. And Don had looked very, one of his strengths was that he was a very candid, matter-of-fact person. You know, he just, he wouldn't BS you. He wouldn't just sit there and say one thing and then talk behind you, around your back. You know, no, that wasn't him. And he was very straight with Peter sometimes because, you know, Peter admits he can be a little bit full of himself, and Donnie was someone who helped bring him back to earth. And I just, you know, he was just a good man, and he had so much to offer. And, I, and you know, he would have been fantastic in Las Vegas. His first, you know, story, in fact, breaking news on the Browns of 2018 and how, you know, all the infighting among these coaches and, and how Hard Knocks, you know, really sort of broke that team apart in some ways and, and ended up, you know, being a little bit of a nail in the coffin of Hugh Jackson's uh, head coaching career there. So, that was the type of great work that you got from Don. Not to mention, I mean, he was a good man. I've hung out at that dinner with him and his wife. I mean, those things. It's just, it, it's hard. I mean, I have to stay, I'll be honest. I stayed off social media from about 8 o'clock last night until just before we went on the air. And one of the reasons was because I just didn't want to keep seeing his face pop up on my timeline. Yeah. Because it was, it's, just, it's just that hard. Alex, I got, I got two Hall of Fame-related questions because I'm, I'm glad we have a Hall of Fame voter on here. So, um one is is you, know, you mentioned the, the attendance issue. So, like for example, like me, like I'm a millennial, right? I watched all the speeches on Twitter. Like, is it mm-hmm. is is there is there a thought process behind maybe changing the format of the way the Hall of Fame induction goes because less and less people are going to want to sit for five hours and listen to people talk for thirty minutes? Like, I like the speeches, but I watch them in bits and pieces on social media. Okay. I went back and watched Kevin Wise' full speech later. I just think the format eventually is going to become something that no one's going to want to attend. That's a tough thing. You're right about about consumption. Then how do we tell a person once they're up on stage who's being inducted that you have to cut yourself to 10 minutes or else we're going to pull like the Oscars or the Emmys and start playing music in the background and maybe get out that old giant hook like they had in the old days, <laughs> you know, or maybe even a gong like Chuck Barris, uh, you know, in his show back in the 70s. That's the tough part. Once you're like open mic, you know, guys start to ramble right. a bit, and that that's tough. I agree with you. It is hard to sit. That ceremony was four hours and 40-something minutes. That's very difficult. Yeah. I don't have a better answer, though, as to consumption of how you do it and how you limit these guys. And I, listen, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's trying to be disrespectful. It's supposed to be their moment. No. But when you go 36 minutes or 27 minutes, you're telling me that you can't condense this speech down to about 10, 12 minutes? It's, we don't need to hear, you know, childhood stories from you. You know, we just, I mean, it, plus it's pertinent to football. But, I mean, it, my gosh, I mean, you know, people feel obligated to list 150 names of people that just fly straight over the head of, of the average yeah. viewer and listener. So I'm with you, Jeff. I think that they have to look at reforming something. But don't forget, too, this is four hours of primetime programming that they're being paid for. So it's not supposed to be four hours, 45 minutes. You know, the NFL believes, NFL Network and, and the coverage, four hours of primetime programming, and people will tune in in bits and starts throughout the night. They made the ceremony as tight as they could, and it right. still went four hours and 45 minutes. It, was, it took forever. So I've, I've asked Peter King about this next question I'm going to ask you, and I, I, his answer 
will be interesting to, to compare to yours. So as far as the process of the Hall of Fame voting, so you, there's five players in every year, five there, whether five are quote unquote deserving that year or not. And I, I'm a fan of the way baseball does it, right? There's, there's a huge ballot. You vote for 10 guys. If you get 70, 75% of the vote, you're in. So some years there's three, some years there's eight, some years there's seven, right? It varies year to year, but I feel like you, you don't, you're not, you're not, you know, the mandatory five some years I don't think fits, right? Like every year there's not five deserving, and I think you will agree with me, and there's some years where there's more deserving, and then you don't it have the backlog. It doesn't, it doesn't exactly work like that. It's a minimum of four, and it's a maximum of, of eight. Like So we've had years like the 2005 Hall of Fame class, uh, Dan Marino's class, Steve Young's class. There were only four inductees. Essentially, so what will happen is, and I've never had this situation, I think, I think Jeff, we're at a point, and I'll let you get back to what you're saying. I just want to clarify it. That we, as soon as we get down to voting on the final five, I believe people just feel like they rubber stamp the vote and they just vote for a guy because, you know, look, they've already made the final five and we need to, quote, move them out of the room. In other words, if you made it to the final five, we don't want to see you back there next year. We want another person to have that chance to get in. But, you know, unlike with baseball, too, I think Cooperstown is like a year-round attraction for right. Canton. And there's a financial aspect of this. They want people to come. They want as many teams and, and things represented to draw people to the Pro Football Hall of Fame to keep this company in business. So there's a little bit of a, a reasoning behind that as well. But it isn't like if we have a class where we get down to the five finalists and, and four of them or two of them don't get at 80%, and then we may have to go back and vote and figure out who else to get in, but minimum of four going in each year. Well, that was basically, you answered my question, which is basically that, you know, do you think that you need to change to kind of what baseball does? And I think that you kind of answered that. that I mean, Peter King's answer was that it, baseball is too many, gets too many people in every year and it kind of waters down the Hall of Fame. But now you're in an instance where next year you're putting 20 people in the Hall of Fame to kind of clear up the backlog. So you end up right. getting to that point anyways. Yeah, well, just to, to elaborate a little bit on that as well and why the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame feels compelled to do that. This league's the, the Hall of Fame started in 1963 with 17 charter members. So you go back and you're talking about 43 people over, I'm sorry, 43 years, 17 people. And there were people that were left behind. Uh, you know, the AFL got a lot of short shrift, you know, before the 1970 merge between the AFL and NFL. A, the AFL was considered an inferior league. I think that perception has changed as time has gone on. And, and you know, it also helped that the Jets and the Chiefs won the <laughs> Super Bowls three and four. But there were some folks there who got left behind. And there was, you know, honestly, probably some bias against players that already had a lot of, you know, other members, a lot of teams that had other members in from their their roster. For example, you know, Drew Pearson would become what? Like the 10th Cowboy? L.C. Yeah. Greenwood, Donnie Schell. Those incredible Steelers teams, Bob Kuchenberg with the Dolphins. I mean, these are players who on their own are probably pro football Hall of Famers. But at that time, voters just thought, no, you know, that that's, there's too many of these guys in there. So they're trying to clean some of this up in that regard and be able to get some people in and get them in while they're still alive, to be yeah. quite candid in some cases. No, that, that that all makes sense. All right, Alex, let, let's move along to, to current football news. It does feel like there's not a lot going on, but the Melvin Gordon and Zeke hold out. So Melvin Gordon, I feel like his leverage, is he, just have, he should have done this in March. Like, I don't understand. Why did they wait so long to make this stand? No one needs a running back. I mean, the Texans, I guess, do, but they need seven offensive linemen instead. Like, I don't understand why they didn't do this in March? Because his agent screwed up. I mean, is that, is, can I just be <laughs> candid? I mean, that's really yeah. what it comes down to, right? It, it's like the same thing with Gerald McCoy, where the agent should have had language in the contract 
that says you got to give him a roster bonus three days into the league Correct. year. This, yeah. this way you're not being held hostage by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until June. Well, I think, you know, Melvin Gordon, the, the contract extension wasn't forthcoming. He lost all his leverage. If they would have told them back in late February, early March, that if Melvin, if you're not planning on extending Melvin Gordon, he's not going to show up, it gives the Chargers some possibilities there. It gives them a chance for a team looking for a running back to make a trade, and, and they can move on and sign someone in the draft. And, you know, for Melvin Gordon, his problem is being in that in this rookie contract, the collective bargaining agreement that the, the NFL Players Association signed off on allows the team now, if he doesn't show up by 4 p.m. tomorrow, to place an extra year onto his contract, making him a restricted free agent next season. Ugh. Now, Jeff, so instead of an unrestricted free agent, the Chargers would still hold his rights. He'd be guaranteed a significant pay raise from the $5.6 million he's set to make this year, but a team that would sign him to an offer sheet would have to give up multiple first-round picks, and that's probably not going to happen since the running, there's so many running backs that you're able to sign either in free agency or draft. So he finds himself in a tough spot. I don't know what the sweet spot is when it comes to a number. We have only three running backs in the NFL making more than $10 million a year. That's it. Todd Gurley, and, and you know, some people are going to look at that and say the Rams made a mistake until Todd proves that he can get back to being Todd Gurley after the way his season ended last year. You've got, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who hit the free agent market after his fiasco with the Steelers, and you got David Johnson of Arizona. That's it. So, you know, I don't know if Gordon is going to hit that, that eight-digit thing uh, that you know, he's seeking, but if they offered him at $9 million a year and you have financial you know, guarantees for life and generational wealth, the $20, 30000000 million guaranteed, I don't know how you turn that down, Jeff. I mean, that's, I, I know your, what your value right. is worth, but if he's able to get a deal, oh, gosh, i got to think with that, that, the fact that they control his contract for your TOLL, I actually think that, they, that he sign, ends up signing and you know, then the situation gets resolved. Alex Marvez, our guest here on Outkick the Coverage. Follow his work at Alex Marvez, also SiriusXM NFL radio host. One more for you, Alex, and I want to talk about the Texans as well because, yeah, maybe they could go for Melvin Gordon. They have the second most cap space left. If anybody could, it would be them, especially after letting Foreman go yesterday. They could also use Trent Williams, who doesn't seem to be very happy, even though the Redskins, depending on who you're talking to, who knows whether or not they would let him go. But the bigger issue for Houston is... They have moves that they could make to make them better, but they don't have a general manager. That whole thing, it's just mind-boggling to me. How badly? How bad is the structural situation right now in Houston? It's not good, but I mean, I think, though, look, Bill O'Brien knows what he wants, and I think he has people that, you know, it can proliferate through the organization. The one thing is that they didn't hire someone with an outside view that may have a different perspective on Melvin Gordon or on Trent Williams or making any sort of moves. You know, I, I mean, so it's, I think there's some philosophical things that go into it. You just spent your first two picks in the draft on offensive linemen. Do you think that these guys can play? Because Trent Williams, you know, I think he's under contract for another couple seasons. Did you just spend first-round picks on backups? And then, sure. by the way, you have to give up draft equity later, right? And, and when it comes to running back, I think they like Lamar Miller. He showed up in the best shape that he's been in since the, he's been with the Texans. He's lost a little weight. I think he's a solid back. Deontay Foreman is disappointing. I thought Adam Schefter's tweet about his release was pretty damning about him, saying yeah. that they felt he needed to grow up and that a change of scenery would be good. He is from the area, and, you know, they were just, they finally ran out of patience, obviously, with some things going on off the field or maybe conditioning. So they'll be in the market for a running back. But do you want to, again, give up a high draft pick, which is what they, you know, the other team would be looking for? Do you want to give up that pick, like to the Chargers, and then sign Melvin Gordon long term? To a mega deal. I'm just not sure if the Texans are, are wanting to do their business that way. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing 
either way. I don't think the lack of a general manager hurts him, but I do wonder also as well from Houston ownership, you know, how committed are they to Bill O'Brien beyond this season? I mean, you've seen three general managers, essentially, you know, Rick Smith, Brian Gain, and now nobody. You've seen this type of instability in the front office now over about a two-year period. I mean, is this what Cal McNair wants? I think it's a pretty important year for Bill O'Brien to show that the Texans have advanced and are going to be able to move into an AFC championship game, something that they haven't done since coming into the league in 2002, and that they haven't gotten surpassed by another team in the division, a la the Indianapolis Colts, as we saw in round one of the playoffs last season. Alex, thank you, my friend. You're the best. We'll catch up with you soon. Love you guys. Be good. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's a great Alex Marvez on Twitter, at Alex Marvez. Fantastic. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!